All right, welcome to Sound Thinking. I'm Marty Duda, and today I've got with me not only myself, but Jeff Neems is with us today. Hi, Jeff. Kia ora. Oxford Lamaru. Hello, Marty. Always a pleasure. Did I say that right? Nah, five years working together, it's Lamaro, but it's okay. I love it. Yeah, I, I love this. It's a little, it's a nice little consistent bit that we've got going back and forward. <laughs> I love it. And back from last week is Veronica Bell. Hi, Veronica. Kia ora, Tefano. You can't see you wave, so you have to say stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'm waving. <laughs> we got four new albums. Well, actually, one is an EP that we're going to be talking about today. We've got Green Day, Jay Mascus, a local band called Rosina and the Weavers. But we're going to start out with with Oxford. He's got a Kiwi band called the Boondocks, and they've got an EP out. So take it away, Oxford. They do indeed. And an EP of four tracks, but with the power of a full-length album. Nice. <laughs> um, so the Boondocks EP is releasing on 2nd of February. Uh, the Boondocks are a two-piece band formed mid-2022. Uh, they're from Afitu in Auckland. Um, consists of Scott Parker on bass and vocals and Brandon Pritchard on drums. Uh, influenced by hard rock and punk. And the EP has four songs in total. So do we uh, have the White Stripes to blame for all these two? Nah, so, yo, I was actually going to say, I, so well, we get into that in a second where I'm like, they, they hit that weird overlap. So they've got four songs, but they hit, so first off, I'll say, way, like, likes it way more than I thought I would. There's always a little bit, and like, not to be, not to be stink. I love New Zealand music. I love local bands. You know that I'm always like my starting writing reviews for 13th Floor was like, send me to Whammy, send me to Wine Cellar. I want to see the fresh young New Zealand faces. But there's always that little bit of like, oh, is this gonna, is this gonna be one of those golden nuggets, or is this gonna kind of drift off again? So very, very pleasantly surprised as soon as I set it up. But um, yeah, they do have, they have this weird. There's that two-piece weird overlap of rock that kind of like so I put the black keys right. with mine because the right. so the first song alone opens up with this like real nice guitar. Well, I guess it's just bass. Yeah, real nice bass. And then like the kind of rising kind of drums. Feels a little bit kind of like Rage Against the Machine, but it has that like that oomph kick power of like listening to early black keys. And I think about like Keep Me, which completely different song in that style, but like something about the the tightness of like just a group and what it forces. I did actually see the White Stripes live play at the St. James many, 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 many moons ago. Yeah, it was fanta- fantastic. But so it yep. takes takes such a, such a remarkable effort to transfer that from CD or vinyl record onto a live kind of stage. So I'm also real, I'm keen to see how it translates live. But so onto the EP. Um, so, so the tune is called Alone that we want to hear? Yeah, well, so there's four. There's four. So alone is the alone is probably the the one that I'd start with because it gives you a nice kind of it's the it's your start off to the EP. I'd give you a I'd give you a good you know first thirty seconds of that kind of goes in real hard. All right, let's check it out. I 
Amazing. Wow, you see what I mean about that rising that rising drums? Mwah, beautiful. Uh, but yeah, so so I, I love it. I, it's, it's fantastic. And again, like it reminds me, it takes me back a little bit of that nostalgic feel of like whammy. You know, I can yep. picture, I can already see them on stage. And I'm not just, I'm not just confining New Zealand bands to K-Road gig event venues, but I can just see them. I can see them in Power Station, same thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, so nice, good song, good start. Uh, hits quite heavy as well. It sounds a lot bigger than two people, which is always good. It's always a relief when the, uh, when the, when the smaller band actually sounds like it's got some oomph. Um, yep. But then, so we go into, so their second song, Nice Guy, was actually my favorite. Um, I think it was just like, just the energy about it. So we got some, we got some info from the, from the band about their, some insight into their, uh, their songwriting kind of, you know, themes and everything. So they say Nice Guy is about an incel. It's a love song written from the perspective of an obsessed ex-boyfriend. And... Yeah, I get that. I get that on a on a re-listen. I get that, but at the same time, I was like, "This is just a good. It's just a great energy, wild song, which was just like perfect for me. Nice little kind of like solo, um, vocals kind of hit really well. So I can't really say too much about the actual kind of lyrical content, but vocals definitely kind of like stand out for me in that one. I live with you on my mind, sleeping your clothes all of the time. With the shirt that you left behind, cause it smells like you. Break my heart every night when I put my hand close to me tight. I don't care about emotions, only my compulsions leave me feel used and broken. Slightly controversial opinion. Okay, so hold, hold fire, guys, while I kind of go go heavy here. But so I thought the lyrics, I thought the vocals were too clear, and I know that sounds contradictory. I know you're well, going to hate me, but so it's, it's interesting you say that because I comp- I was thinking about this in relation to the Green Day album, and my problem with the Green Day album was I couldn't hear the vocals well enough, and I could on this one. Okay, so that's well, wonderful that we've got completely different listening. We've got completely different ears, Maddie. So I was, because I've had that and I was like, except for maybe Green Day, everything else, everything else was just like, yeah, slightly muted. Um, but yeah, so I said, maybe it's just the lack of, maybe it's the lack of instruments or it's just, um, you know, like they've gone very specifically for a specific type of uh, mixing kind of style. But it almost felt like the amount of time and energy put into rounding out every word very clearly kind of anchored me into each sentence in a really weird way. It took me from like word to word as opposed to kind of just kind of going on this rhythmic kind of narrative of the of the lyrics. Um, but at the same time, yeah, very, very minor, minor critique um, okay. in that sense. And it just, it only just took me uh, out of, you know, I, I put down my little note around it was that it, um, it kills the magic a bit when every word is perfectly and clearly pronounced, especially in punk. Um, <laughs> but there's, but again, maybe the but think book, about it. But think hey, about Oxford. I bet you can sing every word to "God Save the Queen" by the Sex Pistols. You know those words. You yeah. can hear them. You can hear Johnny enunciating. 
exactly yeah he yeah. means it man and, but i know. think it, but there you go but there you go but so i think he puts the emphasis on specific words rather than trying to just overly round everything out you know? right. but okay. anyway but yeah but so moving on from that because extremely minor kind of speak on <laughs> in, the, in the very in the very uh, positive kind of review of it and um, right. so then we move on to the third song which is payday um and so i said uh, so yeah it made me cringe a little bit so only in the sense that i used to when i first started out writing writing for 15 plus years now but so i started writing poetry i read a patty smith book and started writing poetry and it was all like <laughs> pale blue moon turn my skin bark sky high and then madness and sadness and alcohol and i've got no money and i was like wow this is such a heavy heavy deep poem man but like yeah so is that interesting kind of like when you're young when you're young and i respect this so much because it's like a it's clearly a very observational like what's relatable what do i know how to write about um and what's important to me and kind of like that area so the song is literally just kind of talks about i mean so it goes into other things but it very specifically talks about like can't wait for my next paycheck like right. i'm so broke all the time can't wait for my next paycheck and i was like man like and we're all we're all somewhat kind of feeling that pinch um kind of lately i'm sure but yeah there was just an interesting thing about you know it's not about falling in love it's not about like the unrequited it's not about the like the car crash that you had on your tour it's not about so it's not about all the fame it's not about all those things that are yet to come so i really respected that like so in the cringe sense it reminded me of myself and that was the cringe but the um i really respected it because they're not trying to they're not trying to speak to an audience that doesn't relate to them you know so their songs and i think you get that very very strongly in just the musical quality of that entire ep is that like it's very clearly something that is personal to them that they're expressing you know what i mean it's not like they're trying to do something and you can definitely tell that um but yeah it was it was cool so they they again so notes from the notes from the band um it's about the cost of living crisis and sarcastic dig at landlords and late stage capitalism which are all kind of like it's that's like littered with buzzwords where i'm like man i'm just i had my existential crisis like 20 years ago eh? like i'm you know like late stage capitalism is just a tiktok word for me now that i'm just not yeah never never going on it um but yeah so fun upbeat nice little change of pace i've been here before on this rocky road money lent to pay the rent on the shithole wish my boss would just pay me more cause i'm halfway from walking out the fucking door with black taxi um and so i thought it was i really like this as a closing song specifically there's an interesting way high fidelity is one of my favorite films of all time and just listening to john cusack talk about how to make the perfect mixtape but it's always like where do you place it where do you place like how do you how do you choose a great closer what's a great closer song and um yeah black taxi i really liked because so it was uh it had more rhythm, more less uh, less focus on rounding out those vocals and the lyrics. It felt a little bit wilder, a little less restricted, um, and it kind of showcased the drums in a okay. much nicer, bumpier, 
uh, faster kind of rock way. It's interesting as well. So, um, so Black Taxi has been on the rock charts for the past uh, five weeks and has been on main rotation in on the rock FM uh, radio. Which is interesting because, I mean, so punk, you know, punk rock, punk influence kind of band and yet, you know, very clearly hits like a rock kind of note with some people. Right. Um, but yeah, so for four songs, I'd say it's very, very good. Um, okay. I like it as an EP. Of course, it's nice. You know, it's the kind of thing where I do want to see something more of it. I want to see something like where they go beyond that current template for song structure, where they really kind of break out and do something bigger and more adventurous and bolder and kind of feel free to take that risk but i kind of understand as well what it's like to be yeah young musician wanting to be wanting to be honest and authentic and perfect wanting to make sure you don't really want to take risks because you're not quite at that stage so yeah it will be good to see how it goes and i think perhaps like live performances will be really really valuable for that giving them a chance Mm -hmm. to kind of like test out coming some of that stuff into crowds who will be super keen to see them um but yeah so you've got that real nice intro nice outro somewhere in the middle it just kind of all a little bit hollows out for me um and again i'm just being maybe that's just me being weirdly pedantic about the rounded out lyrics but uh, that's just yeah the vocal delivery but that maybe <laughs> that's right. just me um but yeah so nice guy definitely my favorite song uh i'd say easily the most kind of ambitious um from the ep really great ending um solo on the bass okay vocals, perfect. well may I, may I suggest that we listen to a couple seconds of black taxi and then we'll come back and see what uh, veronica and jeff think about it hit me with it See what I mean? Nice. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's the Boondocks. Exactly. All right. Veronica, Veronica, do you have anything to say about the Boondocks? Um, I do, actually. I was listening to uh, – look, I actually – this is going to sound really savage, and I mean this in, like, the nicest way possible because, I don't know, I feel like this is a huge compliment. I, I It kind of was giving me, like, if you amalgamated, ironically, Green Day and, like, the Architects – into one and then ordered it from like aliexpress <laughs> i don't mean that but i don't mean that in a bad way the, the way reason why i say that is because i felt like absolutely savage i know i know because i i really enjoyed how it felt so punk in the sense like it kind of felt like they just like got in a room recorded their songs really enjoyed what they were doing the song that really resonated with me was um was payday uh and look as a girly who's currently uh, unemployed slash musician trying to find a job music journalist um, with no job i have no money i can't believe it just say you're just say you're a music journalist everything else is erroneous (laughs) oh i love that that's such a 
It's like a promotion. Um, no, yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I wish that there was more, um, and I am really looking forward to hopefully catching a show, like as, as you said, um, and seeing like if they can bring that energy that was sort of um, created on the record on stage because I think you know when you have the opportunity to record something you can record it many 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 times to get the perfect take and sometimes and I know that this isn't the ethos of punk but you know as as I'm sure you know with with modern day recording you can always cut bits and pieces from different takes and that kind of thing and then put it together and then it sounds like it's one whole take so I'm interested to know if they can bring the same energy live i actually really like their stuff i might be a new fan potentially most likely i definitely am i don't know why i'm being ambiguous today i'm in that sort of unhinged mood i oh. think but no i really liked it okay have you, have you i'll just say have you seen that video of billy eilish making a song and it's just like a hundred thousand little snippets and i was like yo come on me and my garage band with my five tracks what are you doing to me what are you doing to me here uh i will just yes. so i will just say as well so just i'll just jump back and just say so i thought as well my, one of my first things i noted about it they fit into that weird overlap of rock which is for me i put down yeah. the veils meets the libertines with a bit Ooh. of king of leon and the black keys and i know that's just throwing out a whole bunch of things but it's just something about taking these little like an amalgamation of all these kind mm. of and all, a little bit of the strokes as well kind of in Ooh. there kind of mm. um and then now listening back to it again i think like the first time i heard smash um, the album by The Offspring, which is their early kind of sounds <laughs> legit. It's odd. Uh, if you haven't listened to Smash by The Offspring, go listen to it because it's All absolutely right. amazing. Sounds All like right. it was recorded in their garage, but like, yeah, absolutely. Right. I love that. So Jeff, do you have any thoughts? I had a quick listen to this before uh, joining the link for tonight's podcast, Marty. Yeah. And my music reference point, since uh, Oxford rattled off a whole bunch there, uh, was uh, the Datsuns, oh, actually. Okay. They reminded uh, yeah. me of the Datsuns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and okay. um, many, many, slightly tangential, I will come back to the boondocks. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was a working music journalist, not being paid very much, Veronica, <laughs> I would add, um, I did spend a couple of nights on tour with the Datsuns. I actually did um, a feature what? on their show. Uh, yeah, when they were just back in New Zealand from Europe. And as soon as okay, I fired famous. up the, well, yeah, I, that's another story. <laughs> uh, when I fired up the Boondocks, I did think this really does sound a lot like the Datsuns or, or heavily influenced by them. Mm-hmm. And to pick up on Oxford's point, I mean, there's a whole raft of groups that have sort of share that sound. Right. And I think as, as music writers, music nerds, uh, we're always looking for that familiar reference point to bring something back to when we, when it's new to us. Yep, yep. So that was the reference point for me. I was also interested in Oxford's comment earlier about they're only a two-piece because I could have sworn there was four of them. Uh, and for a four-piece, I thought they made a, a pretty pretty pleasurable racket, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the target audience for this sort of music anymore, I must admit. Um, and I know Marty's going to hate me for saying yes, that. Yes, I will. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I very rarely, very rarely uh, explore new rock and roll music. Uh, but as um, as uh, Veronica pointed out, I, if these guys came to Hamilton and played one of our uh, small number of live music venues, um, I would probably go along and check them out because it, mm. it, it, it pricked up my interest. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I think Oxford's right. Four tracks um, is probably a good place to start yep. for a new mm. band, but it also leaves you perhaps feeling a little bit shortchanged. 
But when I look at it from the musician's point of view, I'd rather do four tracks well than six, seven, eight, nine, ten tracks and have a have a have a bunch of filler. At Leave the them end. one more. That, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. there's a there's a risk with it. I think there's a risk with a new band of losing the listener's interest very early. Yep. So best mm-hmm. to do four or five uh, songs really well, leave it at that, and then perfect your craft over the next few months before you come back with other releases. Gotcha. Can I ask a question, Jeff? Yes. Do you then, in that case, think that unless you're an established artist, and I'm talking like big fame, fame, do, would you say that, like, you know, for up and coming musicians, artist bands, that a full length album is kind of void? Uh, I think it's optimistic, is what ambitious. I'm saying. Ambitious. Yeah, in, in New okay. Zealand, certainly, where yep. you've got a small market, and yep. uh, that, that market in New Zealand, in my opinion, is very crowded by uh, the major labels and the big international acts that you're referring to with your question, Veronica. So um, <laughs> certainly, when I was when I was a, a poorly paid working music journalist a decade or more ago, um, <laughs> I, my advice would have been: yes, do an EP first, or do a single, or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, things have changed since I was in that job. Uh, mm. But yeah, optimistic, ambitious uh, is is the way an album would seem to me if you're just starting out. Uh, and I mean, there's a few ex- there's a few exceptions to that. I mean, you know, Fat Freddy's Drop. But I think about Fat Freddy's Drop. They did a couple of singles first before they really hit big with Based on a True Story. Mm. Um, most, you know, the the, the music uh, the music consumption platform has changed a lot over the last 10 to 15 mm. years. And so if you can whip out a couple of good songs via a streaming service or something, that's great. Me, I'm old school. I'd rather you did um, a three-track 10-inch GP or a, a, a double A-side 7-inch single. And then I've got something to remember your band by before you go and launch into your album. And albums are fundamentally... Do you mean like a physical... Do you mean like a physical? I, I mean a record. Yeah, give me a give me <laughs> like a physical give record. Me a cassette, yeah. Give me that a cassette you... tape. That's oh, what I'm getting. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, just sorry. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not seven inches of anything else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Okay, you said that, not me. <laughs> it oh, it could be seven inches Yo. of tape. All right, all right. Break it up. Break it up. All right. So, so I'm just this is like this is the sort of lascivious stuff that happens when the boondocks come onto your into your ears. Yeah, taint that. Taint that. Unhinged, savage, <laughs> savagely unhinged. Uh, right. but yeah, six pod, six podcasts and rock and roll. All right. Well, <laughs> definitely. My, 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 hand in my hand. take on the Boondocks is it, it sounds like what I was hoping the Green Day album would sound like. So I'll just make it like, <gasps> yeah, that's where I'm. So and and so over to you, Veronica, because I know you wanted to hear this Green Day album called Saviors. It actually came out the week previous, but because you're special. Uh, we're going to talk about the album today, so give us the lowdown. Thanks. Can oh, I just, can I, um, can I just jump? That word. I just wanted to say, so the last thing that I want to say about the Boondocks is the EP releases on the 2nd of Feb. They do have a album release show on the 9th of February at Big Fan in Auckland, 25 oh, yeah. McDonald Street, Morningside. So if you are in Auckland and you want to catch them, go and see that. Absolutely keen. Excellent. All right. Over to you, Veronica. Okay, so I want to first off start by saying this album is 15 tracks, which, in my honest opinion, is a little bit too long. Sounds Um, like the Foo Fighters problem. (laughs) (laughs) So Saviors is the 14th album um, by 
Green Day. It was released through Reprise Records um, and uh, produced by Rob Cavallo. So, and and he is a longtime collaborator with Green Day, and he's done, you know, Dookie, um, Insomniac, Nimrod, American Idiot, Bullet in the Bottle, and Twenty First Century Breakdown. So, quite a few. And Green Day has released fourteen albums over the course of their career, which is a lot. It's, it's a lot it of might work. Be too many. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Mm, lots of money. Um, what I found interesting because I really didn't know a lot about Rob Cavallo until you know I did a bit of a, a deep dive, and he's actually done quite a bit of work with My Chemical Romance. And I I say that because when I was listening to the album, I said to my partner, I was like, um, are great are My Chemical Romance like mega fans of Green Day? And he said, well, I mean, they did tour together, so I mean, on the assumption. And I was like, this album, if you know, you you picked apart certain elements of it, I would say was a My, My Chemical Romance record. Okay. Um, so, in my opinion, it's the best album since American Idiot. Okay. Um, their previous album before this was it's a thumbs down from me i'm sorry i found it was really boring and really um quite challenging to listen to um and um so do we have a track that we can listen to now but to kind of get the folks who are listening in uh up to speed on what absolutely absolutely i think we should actually start off with the very first track um which is the american dream is killing me is very like um it kind of shows me that the the band's never really lost sight of its sort of um politics that's obviously very much like a ethos of punk right it's like anti-establishment we hate the system we're gonna do everything against it like you know green day was like promoting the old devil's lettuce when that was like rebellious now it's you know pretty goes slapstick um but that in itself i think was a really excellent start to the album because it kind of referenced back to the earlier works of you know like who is the american idiot it's the jesus of suburbia it's like your average joe blogs that like you know lives in a suburbia has a blue tie might work in accounts no offense um and you know kind of has like a bit of a mundane life and it sort of like explores that 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 theme of the idea of the american dream is all a farce it's kind of nonsense and just do your own i don't i don't think i can swear on yes, here you but just you do can. your own do your own shit basically <laughs> yeah don't, get it out <laughs> <laughs> just just don't follow the norm do you know what i mean um and um well, i think that's very punk as well i i my first thing was that opening track i was like nice 
nice dot 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 feels yep. like their old stuff and right, it was right. just that like and, a nice yeah. little nostalgia i was like oh yeah this is like this is what i remember the stereotype of green day to be in my head i was like this is what i'm in for mm. um yeah yeah, abs- absolutely. And look, I I really liked um, Bobby Socks as well. Oh. I had no idea that Billy Joe was bisexual. Neither did I. I I'm just found assuming... that out from that album, from that song. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, know. oh, sl- slay. Okay, part of the. I mean, it makes so much sense, though, right? I'm like, oh, and that everything makes sense now. But I love that. I thought that was like a, a very like fun. A very fun kind of track, and and to be to be honest, guys, like overall, I think I, I just I I'm kind of like jumping up and down, but I want to go down to track number six, which is 1981, okay. and it's the song that stuck out to me the most because of the chorus. It goes, I want to like 1981. Tell me that's not a pop right. hook. Tell me, tell me if that had since in the air and maybe an 808, it wouldn't sound like a Harry Styles. I think it says, I want to bang her head like it was 1981. Savage. That's right. I want to bang her head head like... Is that a reference to the 81 Springbok tour? There was a bit of head banging went on in 81. There you go. I like that. There That was actually my favorite song, and and after I listened to the album, that is the only this and this is important to note. It's the only song that I got stuck ah. in my head. Whereas, like with albums like American Idiot, Twenty First Century Breakdown, there was like hits after hits after gotcha. hits. Do you know what I yep. mean? Um, so I feel like the album itself really kind of like shows its distaste with like the socio-political landscape and like it kind of has this like crass kind of like humor tongue-in-cheek and guys I don't really know if this album was kind of like like a joke i don't know it's it's it kind of it, yeah, sure yeah. No, not, look at it that way no like i kind of felt like they were like let's just put some shit together. well let's yeah like let's it, just put some let's just meme. put some old sounding classic green let's put some green day shit together that everyone i, knows I think you're right there i think they're just throwing against the wall and see what sticks i think that's the thing right yeah trying yeah. it's like we said yeah. about the boondocks trying yeah. trying to do something trying to make a point as opposed to trying to please I think well, I quote Bowie, but like Bowie Please said, do. like Bowie said, like you know, never play for the gallery, ever. Yep. Like always, you know, don't listen, don't perform for people, mm. or else you'll lose sight of mm. it. You have to just put yourself into the area where it's uncomfortable and just drift there, and that's where you create the magic. Paraphrasing, but at the same time, no, I get it. I totally get it. I get the comparison yeah. between the MCR because I put a lot of rhythmic anthemic punk rock, which is like those big yeah. like stadium hits, and you kind of get it as mm-hmm. well. But like, I mm-hmm. very much vibed with that sense of. I mean, so you get it in um, living in the twenties that like, and it's like you know, yeah. so it's very much. And I was like, mm-hmm. so I write real deep into the social mm. commentary politics and everything with it um but yeah you definitely yeah. get the idea of like so what is the dream that we built we just work and work and work and now yeah. it doesn't save you 
everything right. just collapses regardless. It's, so what is this? Well, they have a song called exactly. Freedom. They have a song called Coma City, which is about gun violence in the U.S., which is an obvious. And that's uh, I'm all for you know protesting about, about that. Heroes. All for gun violence, but I couldn't. By no, but I couldn't understand all the words because of the way it was mixed. <laughs> So yeah. that's, that was my complaint. Oh. That's, the, that's the vocals. It's like if you have a message that important to get across, you don't want to, you know, have it muddied up by uh, Trey mm. Cool doing something, uh, you know, off to the side or being mixed out of the thing. So, uh, uh, so I had a problem yeah. with the fact that if you're gonna, if you got something to say, just say it so we can hear it. So my favorite song was Susie Chapstick. Because I thought it was a little bit more mature. It had a nice melody. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's where they should be going these days instead. A of nice, to a nice pasta. shift, a nice shift into a yeah. much lighter tone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I would have loved like, look, okay. In my opinion, you know, something like Twenty One Guns is a ballad. Like if you, if you hear it acoustic, it's just oh my gosh, I'm like, it makes me want to cry. I didn't feel like there were any, was any song like that on this album. I didn't feel like there was a ballad. I want to cry. I want to scream. Just, I just didn't feel right. that. What I did find interesting, though, because as we know, like Green Day's whole shtick is anti-establishment, anti-the American dream. The, the last track, Fancy Source. Take me to the end Called the loony bin Somewhere I can rest my head and take it on the chin. Flowers all in bloom in my rubber room. Scratching at the wallpaper in my solitude. Go, go, falling like a Stand out. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me Lyrically, too. I, do you know what? I, I love the lyrics yeah, of yes. it. It's just so good. Uh, now, uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a tinfoil hat princess oh, do team. It, do I it. love a conspiracy. Hit me with your spiciest, juiciest conspiracy theory. Go on. I'm primed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> so <laughs> there is like this... Someone, I feel like someone's going to come for me. I'm going to talk about the Illuminati. I'm sorry. Um, there's, the, there's, there, there's this like, 32, 32. there's this, yeah, no, yeah, there's this thing on TikTok going around because you know when you're late at night and you're either, you're either on like deep ocean TikTok or you're on conspiracy TikTok, and there's this thing where apparently like Hollywood celebrities um, have these like fancy pizza parties with this like fancy sauce which is like apparently from like baby's plasma it's like what? really whack it's the, it's the weirdest shit i've ever heard honestly i'm like yo um i don't know anyone who does that i i don't think these people have time for that but that's that's cool you do you fan to, you want to go with that you've never had you've never had a large pepperoni child stem cell pizza before come on how do you think i'm 37 how do you think i keep this youthful these youthful lines off the forehead here uh, Don't air my secrets. God. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, I loved the. See, this is this is what the the 
the verse two, which says, Howling at the moon in the afternoon, watch the evening news because it's my favorite cartoon. Gonna join a cult, do a somersault. Everyone's a victim and it makes me want to puke. Um, and then at the very end, it goes like, Everybody's famous, stupid, and contagious, which I was also wondering. I was like, Is that a nod to Nirvana? Yes, it is. It yeah. is, it is, yeah. So I was kind of thinking, like, with this nod to Nirvana, this, like, fancy sauce, which is kind of like a weird name for the track because it doesn't re- that doesn't really come up heaps. Like, the, the actually, the line, fancy sauce, I think only comes up, like, one time. I'm just looking at the lyrics at the moment. Right. Um, what if but- you play the record backwards? That's it. If you then yeah. it's a fancy sauce, the recipe. Oh. For the pizza, right? oh, maybe. <gasps> but you see this is what i was wondering i was like is this green day telling us that they are not part of the illuminati okay. or is this a bait a and bold faced admission and them saying like haha like jokes we on hit you it behind like, gun we're violence. Like punk. There, we there we go we're gonna hide it behind all the stuff so anyway basically i actually really enjoyed the album i thought it was really okay. good in comparison to the previous one which was trash um but it's still not their best work. It should have been shorter. I think it would. I think at this point it would have been cooler for Green Day to release like an EP, right. um, or like a like a mixtape or something like that. Um, and I would have preferred to have heard more of like the Dookie landscape, where it kind of sounded like back then that they literally recorded it in a garage. This sounds like it, all of the instrumentation is mixed to perfection, and then the vocal is like so thin in comparison. It's really odd. Yeah. Um, I would have liked a little bit more. I th- and I said this the first thing I listened to. It, I was like, man, they put so much tuning on his vocals. Yeah. That's not punk. Yeah, that ain't Stop punk. That. No, see, that's so, the thing. That's, so why, I, that's why I like the, the Susie Chapstick because it's it's yeah. more pop than punk, and that's kind of where they are. They're middle aged guys. They're not punk rockers anymore. Give it a break. No. Let the Boondocks do that thing now. Yeah, that's it. Just go to a pop album, yeah. like. I would love, I would live for that. And I will say the low point of the album is Father to a Son, where suddenly Green Day goes Cat Stevens on us. Uh, That's not what I want to ever hear. I thought that's what it was. Yeah, Yeah. I got that. My my low point, my low point, I put LOL, which I was having to write it down. Always love reading that out loud, where I'm like, LOL, when you have to fit the title of the album into a track, Saviors was not mine. It was absolutely my like. You really ungracefully mashed that word into that into that lyrical structure there, didn't you? Just yeah. could not. Yeah. Mm. So, but I liked. But then brought it back with fancy sauce, which I liked. All right. Those lyrics. Mm. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move on to Jeff. So let him yeah. get a word in edgewise here because I don't know if he has anything Sorry, to say about Green Day, but he's got a lot to say about Jay Mascus. So. Jeff. Well, I'll, I'll offer a comment quickly on Green Day, uh, Marty, and, and I didn't even realise that they were still recording and releasing music. Neither. Who knew? Shady, I love it. Please apologise to your partner on my behalf, Veronica, for not paying attention to Green Day. Um, but an so artist, fine. But, but an artist I do pay a lot of attention to is Jay Mascus, and I need to preface everything I say after this with the fact that I am a massive fan of this man. His music has soundtracked my life since I was uh, a fresh-faced 18-year-old. Uh, I have a very vivid memory of first hearing music by Jay Mascus in a very, uh, very beaten-up uh, 1986, I think it was, uh, Orange Datsun 
uh, a friend of mine popped a popped a tape into his tape deck. We were going to Auckland for the day to buy some records, fresh out of high school, and he popped in the tape for Green Mind, which was the fourth of the Dinosaur Junior albums. <laughs> and it and, and I'm not making this up, guys. It completely changed my life, uh, and I would not have uh, the musical taste and the passion for Jay Maskus Dinosaur Junior uh, without that um, without that uh, interaction back in, in 1981. So big big fan of of Jay Maskus and Dinosaur Junior. I have probably about 75 percent of his releases across uh, so what is it that appeals uh, to you with jay mascus what is the thing well well i mean apart from the fact that it um reminds me of being a teenager fresh out of school (laughs) it's 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 the combination of his uh except what i think is an exceptionally unique voice it's not he doesn't even really sing he sort of draws Uh, mm. and um, I, I will come back to the quality of his voice later. Um, the guitar, I mean, I think he's arguably one of the greatest guitarists that's ever lived, and he's easily my favourite guitarist. He's up there for me with Neil Young, Jimi Hendrix. Um, Definitely Neil you know, Young, the, I hear it. The, 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 the players from the now-defunct uh, Sonic Youth, who are, of course, uh, peers of of, uh, of Jay Mascus and Dinosaur Jr. But, yeah, the combination of Jay's lyrical content, his voice, the guitars, and, and t- to use a very hackneyed phrase, his music spoke to me like no one else had before, certainly in terms of, 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 of rock and roll. So um, every time there's a new Jay Maskus Dinosaur Jr. album comes out, I um, I live in anticipation for weeks until one of my preferred record stores gets it in and sends it to me, or um, uh, I happen to be reviewing for a rather well-known website and I get a link sent through. So um, <laughs> the, quite, quite an interesting um, situation here. Of course, the, the, this album is the latest of a, a small number of Jay Maskus solo projects outside Dinosaur Jr. Um, the press release for this one was interesting. It said it was his fifth uh, solo album, which I kind of disagree with as the tragic frother that I am, uh, <laughs> because the first one that they're referring to is Martin and Me from way back in 1996, which is basically Jay doing Dinosaur Jr. Um, songs solo acoustic. Right, that so count. I, I, I would not qualify that first one as a Jay Miskus album, but ever since then, he's basically put these out on a kind of a four to five year cycle based on what he is doing uh, with his main band and his many other side projects he has as well. Um, and it's certainly not a departure from the Dinosaur Junior sound, but it's very much um, Dinosaur Junior acoustic light diet diet sugar free is how I would describe it because uh, although on this particular record uh, on what do we do now there are some electric lead guitar parts and there are full drum kits what Jay generally does uh, with these with these solo albums is he makes it very folky very acoustic uh, very countryfied and to come back to um, Neil Young who and I know Marty like me is a big Neil Young fan uh, there are very much references to Neil Young uh, throughout his solo work so um this one is interesting because he has he has filled it out a bit more, if I can use it that way, use that sort of phrase. Uh, he's got a couple of guest players on here as well on steel guitar and keyboards, but otherwise it's just Jay doing songs that don't quite fit for Dinosaur Junior. By which I mean he's not writing these with uh, Dinosaur Junior drummer uh, Murph Emmett Murphy in mind, or with Lou Barlow in mind. Lou Barlow, of course, is the uh, bassist for Dinosaur Junior, who's also does his own acoustic stuff and and is 
is um, part of Sebado as well. So um, only eight or nine tracks on this. I'm just scrolling back to see what I what I, what I wrote, which for me is a perfect length for a Dinosaur Junior um, J Mascus album. Um, I see these. I, I feel these as kind of a warm, welcoming blanket on a cold night. Uh, <laughs> by which I mean that I feel like the music wraps around me, and even you know, here I am, thirty odd years, thirty years on from first hearing his music and i guess what it does is it reassures me that he's not changing okay and that although i'm going through you know my life i'm not changing either because i'm still relating to what he's singing about so and what we he's hear singing a song about, from uh, oh yeah let's play, let's play well, yeah, we, so the folks at home uh, so to speak yeah i think kick, kick, us, kick us off with the lead single marty which is the, the first track can't on the believe we're here all right yeah all right let's give it a spin Everybody made a fuss Hard to know it's one of us Everybody said no way Can't believe you couldn't stay So Jay, obviously, I mean, this is this. You know, he is a career musician. He's been going since the early '80s when he was with um, Deep Wound, which was a hardcore band. Funnily enough, come back to the punk uh, discussion of the earlier reviews. Jay, Jay started out uh, with with a punk band. So he does a lot of recording uh, at Biscatine Studios in Massachusetts, where he still lives. He still lives in his hometown of Amherst. Uh, Amherst is a cold place. I've not personally been there. I would like to at some stage. It is on my bucket list. Um, and these to come back to my to my warm blanket. Uh, metaphor these albums feel like sitting around the fire with jay and he's just sort of singing you a song on a cold night while the snow comes down in amherst and he's waiting for a chance to go to go skiing so it's not hard work some dinosaur junior albums can be hard work uh in the sense that there's a real intense wall of sound but these are very sort of reflective they're very melancholic um, you know, the, the 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 lyrics can be sort of quite wistful and mournful and, and perhaps even a bit depressing if you're not familiar with Jay's style. I wouldn't go so far as to say they might um, uh, push you to do something uh, inappropriate. Uh, but <laughs> he doesn't, he, 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 yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't write happy songs. He's never Fancy really written songs. a happy song. Right. Yeah. I, I, I guess the one happy song that he's written in his life is probably Freak Scene, which is the, the most well-known of the Dinosaur Junior right, songs. Right. But yeah, this was nice. He, he hasn't strayed too much from a formula that works for him in terms of his solo albums. Uh, the production is first class. It sounds really nice. I, I, I mentioned before that I would come back to Jay's voice, and I will. Jay's voice, when you hear him live, is... It can be a shambles, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, it's very, it's quite heavily engineered on the albums, and obviously, you know, the nature of the recording process is you get to do several takes until you've got one that you really like. Um, a Jay Mascus acoustic show where he performs, you know, songs like the ones here on "What Do We Do Now." It's a quite different experience to a dinosaur live show. Uh, Jay is basically a, a alone on stage with a couple of different guitars and a few pedals. He sits on a stool. Uh, you know, sings into the microphone. There might be a solo spotlight, and it's really, really nice. Uh, and while I love the whole wall of sound and Dinosaur Junior, incredibly loud. If you've ever been to see them live, they are one of the loudest rock bands in the world, and they are known for that. 
this is at the opposite end of the scale. And often with the Dinosaur Junior records, you get, um, you know, Jay's guitars, of which he plays all the guitars. You get, and then Lou and Murph, they just sort of swamp the lyrics. That's not the case here. The lyrics are more to the forefront with these um, Maskus solo albums, and that's very much the case with What Do We Do Now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was what else can I say, guys? Let's, I was let's play. To it. Let's play another song. I think we should maybe play. I can't end you with. Or can't find you. I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing. Uh, which yeah, features right. two other guys playing on the record: Ken Mowry yeah. on keyboards and Matthew Doc Dunn on pedal steel somewhere in there. So it's not all uh, Jay, but it's mostly Jay on this one. Mister at my door, saying obviously uh and as i noted this in my review that you've published to the website uh marty uh dinosaur jr are currently touring the where you been album it's the 30th anniversary uh that record came out 93 94 uh it's quite an extensive global tour as a as a, a jay mascus fanboy i'm a little bit disappointed he's not doing a solo acoustic show in new zealand because i would happily have paid for that um because you do you just get a bit more of a personal experience uh, but, you know, nonetheless, the people in Australia, I think he's doing a couple of solo dates in, in Sydney and Melbourne as part of his solo show, um, Side Hustle. You know, those people will get a really fabulous experience. It's this it's this music that he's showcasing. He normally sprinkles those shows uh, with some other stuff from the solo records. Uh, just a quick comment for the vinyl collectors out there that might be tuned in who, who are considering buying this album. Uh, Jay has always been very passionate about coloured vinyl. Uh, and oh. this one this one comes out on the, <laughs> on the so-called Loser Blue edition uh, and it's interesting that it's called the loser blue edition because the concept of being a loser and not really succeeding in life or in relationships or in your career that's a theme that has been really constant through his album yep, yep. it's you know, his records have always been yeah. kind of oh woe is me this isn't going quite right my relationship sucks do you still love me i don't know what i'm doing it's yep. music for people who are stuck in a rut and don't really want to get out of the rut. Gotcha. Let me put it that way. All right. So, so I'm going to say a couple of things before I throw it over to Oxford and Veronica. So I think, like you said, it's a shame that uh, Jay isn't doing his solo shows because I believe that's where his heart is in his music now is in this, this stuff here rather than Dinosaur yeah. Jr., which he's doing because everybody knows the name and that's where the money is, So to, if there yeah. is any money. Uh, but, but this is where his heart is. And you can hear it on this album. And there's a lot of space in the production, which I really like. I, yep. You can hear everything. I think it's it's a fantastic record. I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. So I will just throw that out. And then uh, Veronica or Oxford, uh, uh, well, Oxford looks I, like he's going to say something. I will jump in definitely. So, I mean, I, I said very much, I was like, well, I tried this two times and <laughs> I probably could have, I probably went for an accidental third because I fell asleep during the second. Oh, and boy. this is yep. no shade to Jay Mascus because what I'll say is it's all about perspective because listening to yep. Jeff talk about that absolutely frames it 
in the exact way. So I've never, I'd never listened. So Dinosaur Junior, yes, not a massive fan, but aware and have listened, and they've kind of come across my kind of musical landscape throughout my life. But I wasn't aware of what his solo work was like and so when i got into it i was like oh man this is just like this is not this is not bright sunny skies new zealand summer like the energy this is definitely sitting around a cold sitting around a fire in the cold waiting to kind of get out of the snow and someone singing very much from their heart as opposed to as part of a uh, experience event ensemble um, and I think as well, like what you said in terms of it, I mean, obviously I'm sold by the blue vinyl. I mean, come on, like it's completely switched me around hundred percent. Like Same. I'm done. Like it's the best, <laughs> best album of the four right ahead and so boondocks release it on colored. That's what I'm saying anyway. But so, um, yeah, I think it kind of in the framework of that, it kind of makes, it makes it a lot better. And now, now I feel like an asshole for falling oh, asleep. Nah, so, I mean, we're all, it was going to get there eventually anyway, but I mean, like it's, yeah, no, um, but so I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was from the, from the pieces that I listened to. I mean, I, I did, I love his guitar work and I still, I still, mm. I still appreciate uh, any musician of that quality who puts out any new or different music at all. I mean, I can listen to B-sides mm. all day and just right. outtakes of things from people I love, but um, I think as well, like it, diff- B-sides are my favorite. Yeah, I mean, they always usually the, the diamonds in the rough. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but yeah, and this, and this, but you framed it perfectly. I think Jeff And this is that it's, this would work wonderfully as an acoustic kind of like live show. Um, and I could, I can see that very much as well. Unfortunately, I think it's good to know that that's what you're going into because expecting it mm. to have something more than that for me kind of like made me just, whew, yeah. All right. Uh, Veronica, do you have uh, anything more to I... say about him? Jeff, you're gonna, you might have kittens, so it's probably a good thing you're sitting down. I had no idea who this person was. It's okay. Like, Kids these days. No idea. <laughs> um, but listen, as a fellow uh, depressed girly, uh, um, I really liked it. I, you know what, the I like to kind of collect a library of music that I can put on you know when it's raining and you you're crying I mean I don't know you you got probably you know you're crying and you're like I want to cry harder so you put that on yeah Um, is that rain by the Teskey brothers boom (laughs) yeah I mean and to be to be perfectly honest I think that's a really really huge skill Hmm. um I think it's a huge skill to be able to unlock that emotion I said this last week but when I teach kids I'm like your job is to make me cry because I know that that we are connecting right and I I gotta say look the level of musicianship on this album is crazy like it's so so good um and as you said you know um I I do enjoy the, the sparseness of it too I felt like um I feel like it was mixed and mastered better than the Green Day album That's for sure. even though it's like vastly different but it was it was I could yeah there you go. I, I really liked it. Basically, Woo-hoo. I I might be a fan now. I'm gonna to have to go listen to all of his other stuff. Excellent. What about just add? What about just add in response to your comments there, Victoria? And I'm gl- uh, Veronica. Sorry. And I'm glad I've converted you because I, as I said, I think he's amazing. His sound has mellowed over the years. So the right, the, okay. the first the first three dinosaur albums were very intense, and um, the album, you know, your point there about music that makes people feel very emotional and brings them to tears. His the the third dinosaur album, Junior. Uh, Bug does that for me 
bug is very full on, and it's been described as um, the sound of uh, the sound of a band tearing itself apart, which it very much was. The band was completely dysfunctional, and oh. Jay basically broke up the band after that. But over time, um, the the music the music he's doing has become more mellow. It's become less punk, less metal, and it's shifted more towards Americana folk and country. Uh, and that to me shows that an artist uh, has a, has progressed while staying true to themselves and true to their roots. And, yeah, I mean, if you're into sad girl music, I, I got heaps of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> really oh, We can make a group of the amount of sad girl, sad boy music that we've got between <laughs> the four of us, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Listen, send it to me. I like being sad. Sorry. Anyway, continue. Okay. Now we move on to Rosina and the Weavers. Anybody heard of them? No. Nope. They're a Kiwi band I've never heard of until about a week ago. And they sent me an email saying they have an album out and they sent me the album. So I've sent it to you guys. So you've had to listen. But uh, the album is called Hitching the Starli- Starlight Highway. Apparently they're from Pukakawi. Did I pronounce that properly? Not bad. Pukakawi. Okay, thank you. Pukakawi. Which they describe as the land of potatoes and onions. Is that true? That's accurate. <laughs> All right. Very good. And so the album was recorded in at Revolver Studios. Um, and uh, they're, they're a five-piece band led by a, a person who is Rosina, but her real name is Anna Rose Evangeline Carpenter. We also have uh, Matthew Collins on lead guitar, Blair Anderson on bass, Nico Lewis on drums. So it's a, it's a, it's a rock band, basically. And one thing I noticed about this group of uh, albums that uh, we're reviewing this week is uh, obviously... Uh, rock guitar rock is thriving very well and very you know we got uh, obviously Damascus and Green Day so there you go the and Boondocks this is kind of, the Boondocks then the Boondocks don't Thank forget you. the Boondocks yeah. so actually this undercover is, undercover brothers even name. though this is kind of a rock band this is the least guitar-y uh, album of the bunch I think um, so I'd never heard of them I was keen to uh, the, really uh, Rosina's voice is going to be the selling point on this record, and and fortunately it does sell us. So it, yeah. it's it, it's a good sounding record. They describe themselves as classic rock with some psychedelia and folk. I'm not sure exactly that's accurate, but we can let's give a listen to the title track, which is the leads off the record. It is called "Hitching the Starlight Highway," and then we'll proceed from there. She. Single-handed, never hitched a ride before, but she rode the starlight highway just to reach his lonely door. What will he bring her? From across that deep lagoon, a storm smooth and shining as pale as the moon. Okay, that's Rosina and the Weavers, title track from their new album. Um, I was, uh, I gotta say, I was a little disappointed by the opening track because. For me, I want an opening track to grab me. And this sounded like something that should have been in the okay. middle Boondocks. somewhere. Boondocks, there you go. You okay. Boondocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. yeah. Uh, yeah. No. You're Game absolutely right, man. Right. And so it was a well, it's very well produced, well recorded, 
well mixed, well performed record. But I want to, I want a little more than that, especially when I'm hearing a band for the first time, the first track on the album. So maybe they, but I, there is a track that I can rave about a little bit. It's called Bowie in the Bathtub. Right, right. Oxford's going nuts. Nah, so I'm just, I'm just spewing out. So I mean, I'll get into this when I talk about it. But I'm like, it's singing like Bowie. I'm like the first one. Did she sound like Amy Whitehouse Light? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, is that, is that, is that yeah. too is that too rough? Is maybe, that too rough for me? Maybe that Amy, I didn't Amy find that myself, yeah. but it, but, but it is but, very much it very much goes into Bowie, and we can right. talk about that in a little bit. But I mean, like, I mean, I love Bowie, and and you can, in fact, Green Day even mentioned Bowie in their album. Did you catch that, Veronica? Yeah, there was a Green Day song called "Strange Days Are Here to Stay," and and uh, Billy Joe sings, "Ever since Bowie died, it hasn't been the same." So obviously, Truth, that's a preach, thing. Preach, but anyway, man. I do enjoy the Bowie in the bathtub song. Anything where we're singing about, you know, David Bowie in the bathtub with you has got to be a plus, right? Absolutely, I like to. I, I'd love that to be honest. I like to. In, I like to in the same way that I liked the was it the Flight of the Concords Bowie song. <laughs> Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get yeah, it, yeah. and it's like it's definitely it's a beautiful it's a beautiful homage, and I'm you know like wonderful there. I'm just like, at what point does it lose your kind of sense? And you know, maybe that's not a bad thing. Right. Okay. Well, let's give a listen to uh, Rosina and the Weavers blowing bubbles with Bowie in the background. Alliteration Conspiracy right. theory. What does it mean? But the guitar kind of lets loose in the middle of that song, and I I need more of that. So I you know I expect Mick Ronson to come in and just slash the bejesus out of the song, and so so um, Matthew Collins, the lead guitarist, gets gets his Ronson on on that a little bit. So that made me happy. So the rest of the album, though, it kind of it never really takes off. I felt it, it, I felt like mm. there's a lot of potential there. Um, but there's a song called For Marilyn, which, of course, is about Marilyn Monroe. Um, it's a little bit punky, a little bit funky, but it's only a little bit of each. I need I need them to, to make a bigger statement about what they're trying to do. And I think yeah. they have the potential. Um, there's another song called And the Rain Starts to Fall, which has a little spoken song intro, which is always dramatic and kind of draws you into the song. But then uh, this kind of operatic voice, uh, which... If that's what they're doing, they only do it on this one song, which seems kind of odd. It remind me of, do you remember the band Renaissance with Annie Haslam singing? It was kind of that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll play a little bit of that just so you can hear. And the rain starts to fall from uh, Rosina and the Weaver. And the rain starts to fall. 
Rosina and the Weavers' new Kiwi band, new album called Hitching the Starlight Highway. Probably mixed reviews for me. Uh, folks, uh, mm. who wants to take it first? Jeff, you have thought about it? Yeah, just a quick, just a quick comment. I admire the band's tenacity in going straight to someone to ask for a review and some coverage. Right. When I, when I, I yeah, when I was a, um, when I was a, a music writer and an entertainment page editor, I was always prepared to give a band a crack if um, they contacted me directly, and particularly mm. if it was a personalised email that showed they had done a little bit of research into what I'm into and what I do. Right. Um, and so, who else, well who else could you guys. send it to other than the 13th floor? Who else? We could send it to That's obviously. Let's not name our competitors. Everybody is part of this. <laughs> yeah. We're elite. So, 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 yeah, I, I, admire, I admire their gumption, as my father would say. They had a lot of gumption right. in coming to you directly. My, my big question about blowing bubbles with um, Bowie in the bathtub <laughs> is who was in the bathtub with Bowie when the bubbles were being blown? Uh, because Bowie, of course, had a very colourful uh, relationship life. I uh, wish it was me. Well, uh, yeah. Don't I we mean, all? And, and, my gosh. And just, yeah. just quickly, just, just quickly, again, slightly tangentially, I, I can claim a David Bowie experience, not in a bathtub. David Bowie was filming um, uh, Merry, Christmas in, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence in Rarotonga in the early 1980s. And I was up there uh, on a family holiday with my parents, and we were having dinner what? at the Rarotongan Resort. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up, Veronica. We were having <laughs> dinner at the Rarotongan Resort, and David Bowie came in from a day of filming that, that particular movie, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, and he was spotted at the bar. And he ordered a drink, and people there was a real buzz in the bar. You know, this is a mega star. This is like 1981, 82, 83. And um, my parents said to me, "That's David Bowie. You should go and get his autograph. He's very famous." And I was not old enough oh, to man. comprehend just who he was or how old he was. And I sat there and I watched as other people went up and and got autographs with him. And it is one of my greatest regrets oh, in life no. that I did not that I did not take the opportunity to go and say hello to David Bowie. Uh, and, and so I, I do, I regret that, but you know, um, that is the, it is what yeah, it is. That's the sort of... Jeff, I reckon you could have your own, like, I reckon you could, you know, have your own, like, segment own of, J- like, these, like, cool name-dropping stories have your that own, you, like, just... You could have your own Jay Maskus song I, with that sort of heartbreaking sadness. <laughs> My gosh, you could have it all. I can beat I can it. That story. I was in court with Bowie. What? Oh, sorry, that was so Is there a bathtub involved here, Marty? No, I wish there was. There were, Bowie, Bowie and Iggy got busted in Rochester, New York after a gig for drugs, and a friend of mine, her name is Chihuahua, happened to be with them. I went to high school with her. So so we were all friends, and uh, I was in college at the time, in university, and then Bowie, had to come, Bowie and Iggy had to come back to Rochester a few months later to plead guilty or not guilty in the courtroom, and they had to do it in person. So we all knew that that was the case, and courtroom is a public thing. So we drove mm-hmm. into town and sat in the courtroom and waited for Bowie and Iggy to come in. And all, all of a sudden, we're waiting, 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 and we hear these screams outside the courtroom thing. Apparently, the cops in Rochester had busted a bunch of hookers, and they were all waiting to be processed outside, and Bowie and Iggy walked nice. past them, and they went ballistic. And so, yeah. As so, you would. <laughs> So and then fair. they came into the courtroom, basically said not guilty, and left. That was the. I end. love how I love how both of these stories have just given Veronica like a mini existential crisis of just like. <laughs> it's like this is why I think this should be video recorded because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure my face. I can't need to get you later. <laughs> 
So anyway, the listeners don't need to see my face. All right. <laughs> nor nor I... mine. Thank you. So, so enough about Bowie. What about floored. Rosina and the Weavers? Oxford thoughts. Oh God, I'm just well. I'm just still stuck on that Bowie visual. I'm imagining him as the bathtub. Um, but so okay. I I so I did like it. I thought again. I thought it was an amalgamation of lots of different parts that didn't necessarily all work together. I actually put. So I, again, me with my throwing out things that don't really stick properly, like flicked between Amy Winehouse and Amanda Palmer in the right. spoken word, oh like God. poetry right. kind of parts. Yeah. I know, which isn't, which oh, isn't, yeah, which isn't perfectly there, but it's something about, it's less about sounding like them and more about the vibe feel that okay. I get from it as right. well. But it kind of went through that and then mm. kind of flicked back and forward. So I thought, you know, West Coast Ramble for Marilyn, they were kind of nice summer songs for me. They were kind of like upbeat kind of summer songs. And then you had, so yeah, and then you, so used to be as well finishing it off nice little simple piano but then it all kind of just like felt a little bit kind of flat in there uh i really liked mm. walking song and more like my mother those all are right. my two kind of standouts kind of from it um i like the heavier bits in walking song and um the growly kind of guitar in more like my mother personally that was kind of my standouts and again i think it's a very i think it's a unique album from a unique group that have a distinct sound that they're working on perfecting and i, I think, don't think they sounded kiwi at all i think no that's what that's what i mean so i had no idea no idea they're from Pukakoi or that they'd <laughs> recorded in waiuku um but yeah so that's it's wild to me that they are a new zealand kind of band but at the same time I do think that it's kind of the the antithesis flip of that boondock sense of what we were talking right. about is like you're yep. putting too putting too mm-hmm. much too much is that you could have like cut that down into four or five and it probably wouldn't have been a little bit tighter on that as well um, and yeah. you probably wouldn't have had those kind of discrepancies but yeah I I liked it and I think that if you're a fan of anything around that kind of like soulful right. soulful spoken word definitely check yep. it out I'd be curious. Right, Veronica what do you think? But, um. <clears throat> I okay. This is this is coming from somebody who considers themselves a hobbyist musician. Hey, don't be like that. Um, thanks. Um, the thing I think that's really it's it's sort of kind of about the music, but also kind of about the image as well. I would like to see a more established sense of self with them, both. Uh, visually, like online, and also within the music as well. I kind of was, um, like, I couldn't tell you what their sense of identity is. I couldn't tell you their, like, beliefs or anything like that. Like, it's it's a little bit um, ambiguous to me. And, like, maybe that maybe that's the whole vibe. Maybe that's the whole vibe. Maybe that is the whole brand. I dig that. But I just, I, right. yeah, but I which, which, is, yeah. which is cool. They don't seem to but stand I for just, anything. Kind of like if you look through their social media, which this is what I do, right? I look through people's social media, see 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 what they're up to. Oh. If, if they don't, they don't give like rock band to me. They give folk singer songwriter. Right. So yep. I want to see a little bit more of that like badass, like I'm a front woman, I'm a badass lady, I've got a dope voice that's like super powerful, super unique. I want to see more of that as opposed to like. I'm just standing in between, you know, four men and I'm just here. Like, girl, own, own your shit. Like, you're badass. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was missing right. from the album. Very good. No offense to All right. You. Very good. All right. So that takes care of the four records Savage. that we're talking today. Savage. But now I'm going to throw something out at you guys before we leave. 
um, which we didn't talk about, but the Grammys are happening uh, oh, in a few days. Oh, God, the Grammys! What a farce. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm asking What for. a load of bullshit. All right. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Veronica serve, on this. You know, they, I serve, think... they serve pizzas at the Grammys, and they have this fancy yeah. sauce on it. And it's, yeah. Yeah. They do actually serve pizza. Do they? They actually do. They actually do. Oxford seriously. I was just gonna. I was just gonna jump on Veronica's Please. point there. I 100. Sorry, agree I talk too much. That's, I think that's why we're here. Um, I, I, um, I think the Grammy, Grammys are bullshit. To be honest, I used to pay attention when I was younger, mm. um, but the reality is, a lot of very significant artists have never won Grammys. Yep. I can point to one um, as as you know, a, a, an artist that I'm a big fan of, which is KRS One, the, the the New York based rapper, one of the most influential hip hop MCs of all time never been nominated for a grammy he's rapped about it on his records it's it's nothing more than just industry wank as far as i'm concerned and and i'm do gonna you get bring nominated it... or do you pay for your nomination well that's it i think days. i think the record company pays for your nomination i would exactly. acknowledge there has been some great grammy performances over the years and there oh, are yes. some artists who i like who have won grammys but i think fundamentally uh, it's just it's just corporate nonsense. Music is fundamentally subjective. Yep. It relates yes. to people in different ways. Trying to judge one piece of art against another piece of art on a somewhat unknown metrical measurement system, it just doesn't stack up for me. I mean, obviously... Mm -hmm. If Jay Maskus is nominated gonna... for the best album of the year, he deserves to win. Turn it all around for you. Finally. A thread of legitimacy. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like the thing about like, and this is something that I found really interesting for my friends who have come back from LA writing trips and stuff. Like every person is like Grammy nominated or has a Grammy kind of thing. And it's like, it's, it's almost not a novelty anymore no. because there's so many categories. There's like a hundred categories now. Yeah. And okay. I'm sorry. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I love Taylor Swift. Like it's unhealthy. But I'm sorry, Midnight's does not deserve to be album of the year. Like it just doesn't. It's not her best work. It's it's giving. But, it's giving. Um, you know, she's a billionaire, so she can pay her way to get wherever she wants to get whatever. Slay results queen. She wants. I'm sorry. No, for real. Do it. It's go in. Kind, it go was kind of shit. So what, yeah. your, it was what's shit. your album of the year then? What would you give the Grammy to? Boondocks EP. Boondocks EP. Why not? Why not at this point? You know what I'm saying? Um, Olivia Rodrigo, Janelle Monet, Lana Del Rey, Miley Cyrus, Boy Genius, SZA. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll oh, take a bit of Miley. I, I'm, I, do you know what? I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed that Lana did not win album of the year for ultraviolence. Unbelievable. Ultraviolence. Because I think that is her still her best work okay. by far. I think Miley deserves it because she is like transcended three generations. She's done I her think time. this album. She's done her time. She should have. She should have won it for um <laughs> for for Plastic Hearts though. That's still I, Rock Miley is my favorite. But I think you know in terms of like a pop record, I feel like um you know Summer Vacation is is very tight very very tight i mean scissor may win just because of like the the um the, the statistical kind of stuff of you know because everything's on streaming blah blah right. blah i think my i think miley should win right. it, yeah very good sorry i'll stop talking no, now good. bye no, 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 no. slay queen slay <laughs> does anybody else have anything yeah, to say before we wrap it up I, I, just on the Taylor Swift point there, Marty, if I could, Please. I think, 
and I'm and Veronica, I'm going to respect your opinion on Taylor Swift, but I I I think that she is a stereotypical example of where the Grammys goes wrong. So I agree. Uh, she, no, so, I agree. So entirely. she is. She is massively promoted by her record company. She is empowered by uh, the Western English-speaking world media. Uh, yes. you know, it's a fait accompli that she's going to win something because she's yeah. just so goddamn big as an artist. I would not yeah. personally cross the street to see Taylor Swift perform. In fact, I would leave town if she did. But, That's um, so fair. But, but, but my point is this. My yeah. point is this. Is that the, industry, the industry props up this event. And it props up this event in the interests of record sales and streaming and, mm. and clicks on social media and T-shirts and all that other shit that, that yep. basically lines the pockets of white male corporate executives who are pouring out these artists for their own benefit. And I'm going to stop pontificating right there because there's three white males on this there podcast. There is right now. Bold of you. Bold of you to assume this skin color. I'm a sullen gray. Thank you very much. Uh, the last thing I'll say on Taylor Swift is if you haven't, make sure you listen to the mashup of Your WAP Belongs With Me, which is the Taylor Swift meets Cardi B mashup. I have okay. it on repeat just all. Oh, it's so mm, good. So, oh. Yeah, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go out with that. We'll play that out. How's that? Uh, yeah, yo, amazing! What a treat! <laughs> yeah, no, please. Yeah, if you want to have me, if you want to have me back, baby, you play that out. All right, and, you got uh, it, man. All right, well, nice. thank you guys. I'm going to wrap this up. Oxford, always a joy to talk to you. Thank Veronica, you so much. thank you for coming back. You're awesome. And Jeff, uh, you got it. No wonder why you're so grumpy. You're living in Hamilton. Hey. Oh, come on, oh, come on. I love Hamilton. No, no, thank you, Veronica. The shows I've played have been in Hamilton. Uh, there thank you. you. No, no, but thank you all for taking part in this. Please come back again, all of you. Keep listening to that great new music, whatever it is, whatever it does for you. And uh, we'll, we'll leave you with Oxford's pick on sound thinking. Adios. I wear disguise. I want you to park that big Mac truck right in this little garage. Make it cream. Make me scream. I don't public. Make a scene. I don't cook. I don't clean. But let me tell you, I got this ring. She wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. She's cheer captain. Looking for has been here the whole time. Now from the top, make it drop. That's a wet ass pussy. Now get a bucket and a mop. That's a wet ass pussy. I'm talking pop, pop, pop. That's a wet ass pussy. Now go roll me in a pot. That's a wet ass pussy.